Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the globe, the world, however, wherever, why ever you're listening to this podcast, it is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcasting team. There are two of us here. Brandon Fam called in sick, but he sent me somebody awesome to help out. This guy has every single issue of the Archie Double Digest. His name is Brandon Fam. A bigger nerd than Brandon Fam. This is Brandon Fam uh, here to bring you a special guest this week. Please welcome. Elvin Nelson. Uh, how howdy everybody. Hello to What's the world. Up, Not too much, man. Not too much at all. Happy to be here. Happy that you asked me. Of course. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, of course, man. Um, you know, this is the part of the podcast where we just ask a little background on your resume, where you came from, where you are now, just a little uh taste for our listeners yeah, out tell there. Tell us why if you cool. don't mind. Uh, there is no reason why I'm cool. It's just natural, similar to uh, a nice Larry Charles. No, um, so I've been in the industry for, it looks like, 12 years now. Um, started in QA um, at a publisher called Crave Entertainment. Uh, I was there for about six months. Uh, went to Obsidian Entertainment as QA. Worked on Neverwinter Nights 2 and its expansions. Moved on to... Um, Alpha Protocol, uh, worked on Fallout New Vegas, Dungeon Siege 3 and its expansions, a couple of projects that unfortunately were canceled at Obsidian, um, and then eventually uh, worked on South Park, The Stick of Truth, and that was the last game I worked on at Obsidian before I went over to um, Fireforge Entertainment, which was a small startup. Um, was there for about a year, <laughs> went to um, Giant Sparrow, which was kind of a Sony incubation studio. Uh, they made what remains of Edith Finch um, and then moved on to where I am now, uh, Perfect World Entertainment uh, publisher out in Redwood Shores, where I work on the uh, product development side, kind of helping out teams that I would have been on at Obsidian or these other various companies. So. Uh, it's kind of a nice, kind of a nice uh, turnaround there. But yeah, that is that is that's me. That resume means that you've been on both sides of the production of a game. Yes, it is. It is interesting being on the other side now and kind of thinking about it a whole different way. You know, so it, it's it's nice. So let me ask you this: Be honest. Which side do you think was better? Would you rather be a producer, like now having experience in both, and not trying to like <laughs> dry stitch on your company? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Do you enjoy being a, a producer on actual development, or do you actually enjoy more being a producer on the product development side? You know, that, that is a question I think about actually a lot. Um, I've really enjoyed both sides for different reasons. Um, working on the development side, you get to work with awesome people like yourself, Larry, um, uh-huh. and you get to really kind of, I'm just going to do this. This is going to be the whole time. Just get ready for Yo, it. There's going to be so 000. many compliments. Uh, <laughs> No, so you get to work with amazing talent and super creative people, which is just, just an awesome thing for someone who just, I like. I'm really good at schedules and making sure people can get stuff done. So being able to work with people who are very creative is uh, is absolutely amazing. Um, but working on the publishing side, especially where I am at Perfect World, um, we kind of get to just let you guys do do what you do best. And so my job now is to really help help drive you into in a direction where the game is going to succeed, not just as a good game, but it's going to sell well and everyone's going to be happy with the product at the end. So um, going back to your question, uh, I mean, 
what I do now is kind of it is it's almost like I'm already on the development side because I spend a lot of time out at developers still working with the team. So mm -hmm. hmm, I guess it's got to be development more because I get to work with creative people, but I still get to do a little bit of it on the publishing side. Awesome. Answered question answered. <laughs> Beautiful. How yeah. much more of it uh, do you, do you would you have to fly out to a lot of studios or something? Yeah. Uh, or do you do it remotely? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, it just depends on where the developers are in their process. So if they're um, early on, I don't really need to be there that much, just kind of making sure that we're hitting milestones and that kind of stuff. But as we move forward into production and getting towards where the game is going to ship, I really try to kind of be there with them, making sure that if there's any major problems, I'm aware of it so I can inform uh, my bosses on my side. And also that they, I'm, I'm not some face that, or you know, some faceless mm -hmm. uh, name on an email. Like I'm actually a person, and I'm on your side to make sure that um, if there's any problems, that I'm, I'm going to be the person that you're going to work with to get those problems solved. So, um, later on in the process, I like to be, I like to be there for an extended amount of time. It's actually why I'm uh, out. Uh, in um, in another state right now, which I just realized I can't tell you where I am. So there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. There you we go. Won't say. <laughs> yes. We will not say. Russia. Well, I want to jump into this <laughs> because uh, this episode is called The Art of Producing Good Games. And yes. before we jump right into that, you did say one little interesting tidbit that I'd like to point at first because it might give a lot of people some hope. You started in QA. Okay. And yes. now you are the mega successful producer in the game industry on the publishing <laughs> side. You have walked quite a fine line that many people in QA, I imagine, would aspire to try to follow. What was your experience like yeah. in QA? If you could kind of nutshell, talk to a college version of yourself, like, all right, you're going into QA, this is what you should expect, and this is how you can get out. If you have, like, two maybe kernels of advice for someone in that situation before we jump so, into the production side. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, no, uh, definitely. Um, the So QA is interesting because you... People, a lot of people think of it wrong, where they're thinking like, "I'm just going to be playing this game for eight hours," and that's that's just that's just not correct. Like, you're going to be playing this small section of the game or this one character for seven days, right? Where you're just you're just playing the first level of the game over and over and over and over and over again, and just trying to find all those bugs and solve all those problems, and so. When you go into it, you have to go into it with a different mindset. And how I, because I used to teach a lot of people in QA, what I would always say is, I would always do my best to try to make the find the smallest bug that you could find, and try to make that into the biggest bug ever. So, you find, oh, I can, you know, um, I can clip into this uh, plant. I'm like, all right, cool. Now take that plant and try to find a way to use that to just completely break the game. So. Um, push your companions into it or try shooting it 47,000 times until there's too many um, pixels on it and then the game crashes. Like, I, what I always try to do is you take every, because you need to solve all those problems before someone else in the world does. And so, um, so the first thing I always say is, again, understand QA is just very different from how you're going to think of it. You're going to be doing the same thing over and, and over again. Got to be okay with that. Second thing is, always try to find, try to make the smallest bug a biggest bug because those are the ones that always end up shipping. <laughs> mm. And so if we can, if we can find and solve those early, then that's all, you know, all the better. Um, and then it just, oh, this is important, especially depending on where you want to go in the game industry. Um, you kind of have to give 
120%. So um, when I first got in, I told my bosses and their bosses, you know, I want to get into production. So I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do some of your job too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way to do that is to say like, give me all the tasks you don't want to do. I'm going to get my job done and I'm going to get those done for you. Right. So, um, so what, what I would do is just get all my stuff done as much as possible. And then I would also just take any extra time or work a little bit over time and get those production tasks taken care of. So I would schedule out my QA team and uh, make sure that our schedules were good, or I would just do some menial task for, for the producers, just so they show, you know, cause the thing is that you want <laughs> to get out how I, how I found to get out is that you, you want to make someone else's job easier. Right. Um, and then, and then you're kind of, um, you're, you're, uh, you're valuable and you know, you, there's no one else that could be doing this. And then they're like, this guy made my job easier. I'm going to get a promotion. And then I, when I get a promotion, I'm going to promote them because I want to keep them with me because I want to keep, cause I want to keep getting promoted and I want to yeah. keep that person like right next to me, you know? So, um, so I like doing 90% of my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right. Like, so I'm gonna I mean, keep hiring out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's, it's so, it's so true. It's like, look, uh, this is this is just making it easier, and that makes me look good, which makes the team look good, which makes everyone look good. So, um, QA is it's totally a viable way of getting in and uh, moving up. But you have to know, like, I mean, you you've got to work hard, and you've got to let someone know that you want to get out, but not you got to you got to be great at QA before you can get into something else. You can't just be like, I want to be a designer, so I'm gonna half-ass QA. I hope ooh, I don't know if I can cuss. <laughs> I apologize. I just realized. Oh, good, good. Okay. Uh, you fucking cuss. All right, great. And then I'm going to half-ass QA, and then I'm going to, you know, work on these design things. Like, no, you got to be amazing at QA and amazing at these design things before someone can, you know, uh, get you out of there. So it's doable. You just got to gotta really, really work hard at it. Thank you. Uh, one last question about QA, actually, because I've always wondered this. Is it possible to be yeah. so good at QA that they don't want you to do the job that, like, if you're a great QA and a great designer and you're trying to lean towards design and the studio's like, no, 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 just keep keep doing bugs, you know, because you're so good. Is that that right? Absolutely. Um, the, the best way to solve that problem is to hire really good people around you. And this goes back to kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier is as you're hiring people that are that same way, then they need to get promoted because they're doing well. And then you need to get promoted because you're doing well and a person above you wants to move you up as well too. And so you got to keep having people that are, you got to surround yourself with great people. And Larry, you know this because you have great friends, like you, people that are, people that are around you make you better. Right. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of where you need to start, but it's absolutely possible to get yourself stuck in that. If you don't kind of move towards always trying to become better and, and make someone else's job easier on some other front, like, you got to have all of those steps to kind of ease your way out yeah. from one area to another because you're because you're solely making um, a, a, a carbon copy of yourself kind of down there, yeah. right? Like you made a version of yourself that's so good now you don't need to be there because you need to be doing something else, and then so on yeah. and so forth. So it, it's it's you you can do it, but you've got to you've got to you've got to have people around you that are going to make you um, that are going to make you better and kind of become a, a version of you that you can leave there. Um, until they eventually they move out. Amen. 
All right. So as we're like uh, kind of moving on to the uh, the producer side of things, so Larry and I usually, mm-hmm. you know, every few episodes we like to bring on a producer to kind of answer for their crimes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no totally right. No, no. So people. like, all right. So there's always a, a, a thing, right, with artists or developers mm-hmm. against a producer, and I'm sure, yes. you know, you're a pretty cool guy. You don't really have these issues, but from what you've seen, yeah. right? <laughs> so what kind of conflicts do you see? that uh, can lead to like an easy resolution or uh, just avoiding conflict altogether. I mean, what, what, what is the common problem uh, with a developer and a producer that you see? Um, so, you know, the thing is, 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 is communication. And that is, so every time you have situations where your developers are mad at your producer, it's because the communication is poor. Um, and it's not just about communicating like the tasks at hand, but sometimes it's just communicating why something is happening. Um, and I and also understanding what our roles are. So as a producer, my job is not to tell you what to do, right? My job is not to tell you, get this done faster, blah, 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 right? Like, um, I'm here to facilitate communication. I'm here to make sure that things are happening. And so if you're, say, you're late on a task, I'm gonna ask, hey, you know, um, Brandon, like, what's going on? Why are, why are you late on this? And then you'll give me an explanation. I'm like, okay, how can we, you and I, work on making, solving this problem, right? Maybe there's a task that an engineer needs to do to fix a pipeline for you, right? Um, and so getting to the bottom of why something is taking a while or, um, or just actually just talking to people is, is uh, it's kind of always how I've solved problems. But I never, I've never been the producer that has come in and said, like, I'm a producer and I'm in charge and this is where we're going to go. Um, almost always the first time I talk to a team, it's, I, I try to say, like, hey, I'm here to help. You know, how can I help you get to where you need to go? Um, and that kind of lowers people's walls because there's always that wall because, like you mentioned, there's always the tension between, uh, the, like, uh, artists, designers, engineers, and producers. Um, but as long as you come with them saying, like, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Um, it, it definitely, for me, it's always become a little bit easier to to have those conversations and to make sure that we're because we're all just here to make a game, right? And we're all just here to make the best game that we that we feel the best game that uh, that we can make. And so, why should we argue and uh, about these things? Like we're all on the same page here, you know. And if we have a common enemy, sometimes a common enemy could be, now I'm on the publisher side, sometimes a common enemy could be me as a publisher. And that's okay as long as we're working together to get get a good game out, you know? Amen, man. What was um, your biggest challenge, I would say, the first time you actually became a producer? Like, they're like, all right, Alvin, <laughs> Mr. Former QA, yeah. you know, here you go. Here's this whole department we want you to run. Yeah, you know, can you can you take us through some of those early challenges that you face? Oh man, um, well, so it, it's <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, we you have project management classes and that kind of stuff, but it it only teaches you how to how projects should be managed. It doesn't tell you how. Um, how to communicate sometimes with your developers, like I'd mentioned, or um, or what it actually takes to get a game out, which is so different from what it takes to get some sort of um, uh, uh, program out, like Excel or you know or some sort of um, app in some instance. Like it's it's just very different, and it's a lot more 
it's a lot more people based than a lot of different things. It's it's so there's so many different personalities, and so for me it was just like, okay, like here because for me it was the animation team, right? Here's the animation team. I know that we need to get these tasks, and so it was me learning, like I don't. So that, that was the first thing I did. Was like, I don't know how to do this, guys. Let's work on this together. And so I kind of worked with the lead um, artist at the time. Just what do you need is what I is what I started out with. It's like I don't know yet. So let's work on let's let's figure that all out together. Um, it was just I not knowing anything. I didn't know really. I knew how games were made because I was in QA, but I didn't know about how animations worked, you know? Um, I didn't know anything about like rigs. Um, I didn't know anything about Maya or Max back in the day. No one uses Max anymore. Um, and so I didn't know about a lot of that stuff. So it was, it was a very humbling experience coming from like, I was QA lead. I knew everything about QA. I know all about our bug tracking system and, and that kind of stuff. But now it's this whole new thing with people who, I mean, they're just so much better at, um, at you know at their skills at animation than i am i know nothing about it so it was that very humble like the first month or two was just you do your job so i can help you do your job um mm -hmm. that i mean that was the biggest thing was just the there was there's no there's no there's no um class that you yeah. can really teach to be a producer um and even when i've taught producers um i just tell them you know what Follow me around because um, every day is different. But I tell them the things that I told you earlier with the communication. As long as you come at your team saying like we're we're a team, then then it becomes a lot easier. But at the start, I I didn't know any of that. <laughs> I didn't know any of that at all. Talk about cosine. A little known fact about me: I actually worked under Alvin uh, as a production assistant when I first worked at Obsidian. And so I had a similar experience, but one I can just call out that was always funny to me was, so Josh Sawyer is a uh, like design director at Obsidian. He's worked there since the beginning of time. I think he was like their like sixth employee or something. He's OG. Let's just say it like that. He's OG. And so I used to have to go into his office like, hey, guy who's basically leading all the writing of the narrative for this AAA game. I'm a college student who basically has never made a game whatsoever tell me what you're going to be working on and tell me how long it's going to take. And like, how do I know he's not bullshitting? Like, okay, Larry, uh, I'm working on this document. It's going to take me three days. Right. And I'm like, sweet. Got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. You don't know until later on in your career that like, okay, like, yeah, I, I, I really have no ammunition here and I have to completely trust that the people I'm working with respect the fact that I'm new, but am still there as a resource. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Josh ever gave me any trouble. And now that I am a designer, uh, if I could remember the dates he gave, I could probably say <laughs> if he was telling the truth or not. But he's a good guy. That. Yeah, it's, it was just a funny story. Yeah. No, right. it, it yep. is. Two weeks. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's, 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 it's so strange coming in, just like not knowing any of that kind of stuff and, and being expected to know it and, and to help. Yeah. And to help maintain or to solve any kind of problems, like it, it's crazy. It's so crazy coming in as a as a uh, as a producer, as an early young producer. What is the the problem that I feel like you run into the most uh, as a producer? Like, regardless of what game you're working on, is there like an overlapping? Like, damn, I just 
I always run into this. Is it people saying task times and being completely wrong, but like favorably, right? Like, yeah, I can do this yeah. in two hours and then it takes eight hours or, you know, like, is there yeah. some sort of reoccurring issue that just seems no matter what you do or where you go, it just follows you as a producer? Uh, uh so um, this is gonna sound mean, so I apologize <laughs> uh, to all my engineering friends out there. But uh, engineers almost always give me incorrect estimates, which is not their fault. <laughs> it's not engineers. Yes. Really, yes. the guys that is who are best at math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guys who are supposed to be all about numbers. So yeah, the the problem that I've always because okay, art um, design for the most part. In some instances, um, it's relatively easy to like. You could say, okay, make a new character. It's going to take me a month to do all of the parts. You know, um, the high poly, the low poly. Like, you can pretty much a good a good artist or a decent artist can do that in about that amount of time, right? Um, and you can just always say that with with engineers. You know, you can have a new mini game um, system that you need to build, and you're like, well, according to all this, it might take me two weeks. Oh, but sometimes it takes you three months um, or someone will say it takes you three months and then it'll take you two weeks. And so every place I've ever been to, engineering times have always been off. And I've never really found a good way to solve that just because, you know, your systems are the every engine is so different and the game you're making is so different. Um, I always give a little bit of extra time on the engineering side whenever I'm making schedules just some sort of like a 20 like a 25 or 30 percent buffer of just general time because i just mm. i just never know kind of where it's going to go so I, every every engineering team that i work with they're never fully like um scheduled out there's never fully tasked out because either they're going to be wrong and it's going to be too long on some end or they're going to be wrong it's going to be too short on some end and so mm. at least giving them some time to have some like bug fixing or um or you know polishing of, of some tools like i give them some extra time for that kind of stuff because i engineering is always wrong to me not in not to be mean to them but just like yeah. they it's just hard to know that that is probably the number one thing the biggest bullshitters <laughs> yeah i got that <laughs> and then some are just bullshitters some are just bullshitters <laughs> and you just know that they're just they're just they're just wrong like like you I can't ever... like yeah go ahead they ever dig the hole deeper when you like gut check them like really what like four <laughs> weeks for this well alan you know i really have to dig deep into the systems and make sure that the architecture is sound so that when i integrate all the multiplayer networking capabilities of the engine then i make sure the quantum physics like do you ever has anyone ever tried to give you the i know you don't know this so i'm just gonna throw some shit at you talk Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've had that a number of times where I mean, I, I don't I don't write code like I mean, I've written, I've made websites and I used RPG Maker back when I was younger, uh, so, you know, Ruby, but uh, I, I don't really know code, but I know I, but I do know people. <laughs> I know people were bullshitting me like, yeah, yeah. Like I've had other people make these very similar systems, and I just don't believe that. Oh, really? You need to make this quantum physics part? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nah. I'm still just gonna give you three weeks, yeah, and we'll yeah. see how you and we'll see where you get by then. Yeah, How's yeah. that sound? Right? Like, <laughs> it's like, come on, don't don't bullshit me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you were to kind of look at each department in its own set of uh, uh, patterns, mm -hmm. 
um, over the years? Like, are, are you able to kind of like pinpoint uh, like you know the art department is usually like this, the design department is like this, engineering is a bunch of bullshitters. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what what is there is there something that kind of sticks out for each department that you feel? Um, the big thing about uh, the big thing about games is is uh so okay i mean design design is always interesting because it's it's hard designers it's it's not again it's not really their fault but it's it's just that you have to you have to be you kind of have to have uh, kind of a large ego um when you're a designer Mm -hmm. and so it's it's a lot more about managing their um their personalities more um, because sometimes mm-hmm. you can't get an mm-hmm. extra system in or something like that, and it's like, I know that you think that this might be useful. Let's try building this system first and seeing how the game feels, and then kind of going from there and doing it in steps. So you kind of you're a lot more managing personalities. Um, mm-hmm. For artists, it ends up being um, they want things to be perfect, and so mm-hmm. it's a lot of again, it's a very similar thing, but it's like, um, let's put it in now. Let's put it in now how it looks, and then as we get to, um, you know, alpha and beta, like then you can start adding some polish onto it and optimizing it however you want. But we just need it in for people to be able to see kind of how it looks. And so it's a lot more about managing the the um, the perfectness of mm-hmm. art. Um, with engineering, uh, it is a level of like like you'd mentioned, Larry. Like some uh, sometime more often than not, some people might think. That you know, um, they, that I don't know <laughs> anything <laughs> about games, but I'm like, no, I do. Um, I know what you're talking about, and it's a lot more about managing. It's for them. It's a lot more about managing their time. Um, mm-hmm. Like I had mentioned earlier, just about, hey, I'm just gonna give you this block of time, mm-hmm. um, and just you just kind of finish stuff around in this range, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, and with um, animators, are just very animated people um mm-hmm. and so it's it's about it's about calming them down <laughs> um mm-hmm. let's not make these animations too flashy um that's not really the style that we're going for like let's just let's just keep on where we are and you know again it's let's take a look at it a little bit later um and then producers need to not think that they're in charge of the project so when i've been in charge of like uh, say it again I know. <laughs> this is an absolute thing. Uh, we <laughs> and there's a there's a whole story that we could go into at some point um, with with the, with the young producer and him being uh, really silly. But it's important. Whenever I've had um, production interns, I've always tried to tell them like, you are not the boss. You are not the manager. You are a facilitator, mm-hmm. and it's important to make that distinction. And so. I don't know how to say this in a nice way. I kind of like to knock every producer down a peg, especially if they're below me. Like, I just want to make sure that they know, like, you're not, you're not fucking in charge. Like, you don't, you don't, you're not in charge of anything, actually. Like, you're in charge of nothing except for maybe even the, you're not even really in charge of schedule. The boss is in charge of the schedule. You're in charge of making sure that these people have what they need. And, um, and it's always been that thing for, for, uh, for producers. Uh, yeah, I mean that's basically how all of the. Te- <laughs> this, I just feel like every- someone's gonna listen to this and they're gonna like, wow, Alvin is what just a dick. Uh, just an asshole. <laughs> he hates everyone too. All right, cool. 
Larry, I look him straight in the eye and say, you are not Alvin Nelson. <laughs> You're in charge of letting me know when something's wrong, and then I go take care of it. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I'm going to be out of it. I mean, I feel... This is going to be great. <laughs> I feel like your assessment's pretty accurate, though. Like, the art, the artist is always... Their problem is just trying to tweak yeah. uh, noodle, noodle all the time. Designers are always like in their dream yep. world and uh, wanting to do everything and, like and not really uh, yeah. taking it down in, in steps, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. To success. Uh, and then uh, engineering is probably the department that I don't interact at all yeah. with, really. I mean, besides technical uh, artists, yeah. like I never really talk to, uh, you know, I never go over to our friend Ray <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the game. I, I never talk to the engineering. <laughs> Besides, like other stuff besides the yeah, game, right? Yep. So they're and the animation team is always tight. Yeah. They're like best friends forever. Yeah, exactly. I always tell Larry that like this is the group that would be dancing when you know the the studios like in yes. flames. Mm -hmm. Like they're always intact, no matter what. Like the team can be fired. Yeah. You know, department can be crashing. But like the animation team, yeah, yeah animation team is always together. For exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, and they're always like filming each other doing silly yeah, stuff. Exactly. That's them working. It's them working. <laughs> That's yeah. critical to the process, though. It's critical. It's yeah. like if, if I was an animator and I wanted a two-hour break, I just grab a camcorder <laughs> and I'll just go outside. Yeah, I gotta film some reference. <laughs> it's so easy. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> it's so and the audio team, the audio team has like always the sickest office. They do always have the sickest office. And they have like you know the door closed with like the blacked out. Yes. Windows and they have their surround sound. They just blast movies all yep. day. <laughs> the but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's a pretty good assessment, man. Um, it, it's just, it sounds pretty. Um, it sounds pretty silly that <laughs> <laughs> we're making gains, but yeah, it always becomes the ego thing that gets in the way, yeah, right? It really, it really, so. really is. Yeah, and it's just understanding people and understanding personalities and and then figuring out how to work with them, you know. Mm -hmm. Everything. Well, let's... So jumping on to, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I'm done. And so jumping on to the other uh, other side mm -hmm. uh, of publishing. Yeah. I mean, how much how much of a difference was that? Oh, it was that. It's very different. Go ahead, continue, please. No, no, no. Like, how different was it? Like, what was the main thing that you noticed stepping into that role? Like, oh, okay, you guys are <laughs> thinking. A whole different way here. So um, I've had a lot more people. I was both surprised and not surprised with how um, how many people on the publishing side don't really know how games are made. Um, mm. That is a surprising thing, and I don't mean it again. I don't mean it in a mean way. It's just <laughs> I, I say this a lot, so I'm gonna keep saying it. But uh, I just it, it's 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 surprising because they make these assumptions about how okay well then just add the system and then it'll just move be fine you're like okay well that system i'm like i will i'll respond i'm like that system will take six months to make we can't just add that that's gonna modify the whole schedule and everything and it, it was surprising to me to see how many people just weren't aware of that um so that was kind of a mm -hmm. bit of a culture shock um the other the other things were uh they really do think of the game differently and that is something that i've had to learn as well too um, when you're on the development side, and which rightly so, which I like a lot, 
Like you just care about the game and you want to be a good game and you want it to be great and you want to make, you know, your, your, your passion project um, as a team. And that's awesome. Um, and then on the publishing side, we're like, yeah, but can it sell? <laughs> right? Like, does, does this, is, this what, is this where the market is? Do people even want this game? Um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to think. Um, I've had a couple of projects. Um, a lot of what I do now is go out to developers and kind of do the due diligence on their team and whether or not they can actually make a game. And so I've seen a couple of different projects kind of come through and I was surprised that some of these games that I've we've had to pass up were really good, but um, no one was ever gonna wanna play it. Um, and as a publisher, sometimes it didn't make any sense for us to like have that game um, on our portfolio. But I mean, still could be a good game and it could have like five or 10,000 units sold and that's gonna be great for that small team. But for some bigger publishers, like it just doesn't make any sense for them unless that's where they want their portfolio to go. Um, so that was a very interesting thing for me to learn because I'll get these games uh, when I first got there and I was like, this game's freaking awesome. Like, let's get, you know, let's do it. Like, let's move forward. And we're like, yeah, but that's going to sell 5,000 copies. Um, and and it's, an, it's a genre that isn't really big right now. And you're like, oh, boom, boom. I mean, boom, yeah, boom, I guess you're right. right. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, exactly. And so it was, it was very, it was very different kind of thinking in a, in a different way. Um, the nice part about coming from development, though, is that I get to I get to defend teams a lot more. Like I said, some people just don't know, um, so I just tell them, like, "No, take six months. We're not going to ask them to do that." Or mm. you know, um, this is possible, but it's going to cost this. Or me looking at uh, milestones and schedules from these teams, I'm like, just looking at this milestone, this game's impossible. Mm. Or just looking at this, looking at this milestone schedule this team doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. it, it's very, it's, it's, it, we've saved a lot of, I don't, I, wow, I, now I'm just talking about myself, but we've saved <laughs> a lot of time just having me on the team because I can just, <laughs> I'm just not gonna, <laughs> I don't, I'm not gonna, no, dude, go for it, man. It's, no, it's, he's laughing it. in agreement. So awesome. <laughs> I love it. But I can just save time being like, hey, this team is this team is awesome. They can do it or this team can't just based off of I, the stuff that I've seen just from their schedules. Um, it's interesting. It's uh, it's interesting um, kind of being on that other side and, and being able to talk, talk, uh, talk to the teams now and or talk to my teams now and be like, no, there's no, we should not even look at this. <laughs> well, you're mentioning something very important, right? Like uh, now that you're in the publishing side. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of publishing friends now yes. uh, at other publishing companies. So yeah. like now that you're in there and you're kind of noticing how they do things, mm -hmm. like why, why isn't, well, maybe there is a change starting to happen. Why isn't there more developers on the publishing side trying to kind of forecast a lot of these problems so that, you know, at least, again, the same issue is miscommunications, just rectifying that. I mean, throughout the years, throughout the gen generation of consoles, there's always been a disconnect between publishing yep. and developers. Mm -hmm. And you're like one of the only ones that I've heard that you're like, all right, developers on the publishing side now. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, you know, because it's not, it's not a glamorous job. Like I'd mentioned earlier, uh, on the other side, with being in development, you get to work with super creative people, and that is just so fun and so fulfilling. Um, mm -hmm. Being a producer on the other side, if you're at a, some other publishers, 
you don't have the luxury of just going to them uh, for a certain amount of time and kind of working with them. Sometimes you're just mm. at your at your at your publisher um, looking at your schedules and looking at the bills that come in and just saying, is this hitting our milestones? Is this not? Um, what we want to do at Perfect World and um, some of the systems that we've been building since I've been there is saying, okay, um, like, but are we making a good game? And uh, <laughs> like, uh, this is a good game. It, the milestones are great, but is it getting us to where we need to be to actually make a game that is is, is going to be great? Mm-hmm. Um, and so people coming in from uh, development, they need to, they, they, they should, they should want to do it because it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to help a lot of teams um, and I've got a chance to get some uh, games moving forward at our publisher that probably wouldn't have just from me saying like, hey, no, I know development. This team can do it and I believe in it um, and being able to kind of push push some of those things through. Um, it's not it's not as fun as working with um, amazing designers and that kind of stuff, but it's I feel like for me, it's still equally fulfilling. Um, and you still have a great game at the end of the day that you still help to get out the door. So if we were to look at your resume and say that, you know, okay, Fallen New Vegas, great yeah. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you produced on that game as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you were working with Larry Liberty. I think he was executive producer at the time. And I think Obsidian at the time, they're mm-hmm. working on this project. I think it was a huge game compared to the amount of staff that they had to actually make it. And it was yeah. still very successful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right, that's usually recipe for a very bad time. <laughs> yeah. Let's make all this game that has all this dialogue and content with not enough people. <laughs> yes. So, Alvin, um, what did the production team do along with the development team on that project specifically to make it work somehow? How much duct tape and you know, like what? <laughs> how many midnight pizza parties? <laughs> yeah, uh, all all of those things. I mean, it's just one of those. Um, that game needed a lot of of that and i mean that's that's the kind of game that it was where it needs a lot of story needs a lot of dialogue and you know josh and the other designers on that game um i mean they make absolutely amazing stories and sometimes you 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 you're okay with adding some more if the team's okay with that right so if the team is good with saying like hey we're gonna spend extra time to make sure all these extra systems are in then you're like great we're just gonna make a better game. Understand that it's gonna, it's gonna, QA needs to be okay with spending some more time on it too. Like all the all of those apartments seem to be okay with it. But you know, if it makes for a more enjoyable experience, then you know, and that sometimes sometimes production, haha, sometimes production is wrong, um, and 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 your schedules are gonna be off, and you're gonna just be okay with that because you made a better game. Um, if your team is willing to take that extra time to add all that in, then, you know, do it. Um, so the team was, and they worked really hard, and there was a lot of hiccups based off of um, some extra stuff, and, like, sometimes the engine wasn't working the way people had thought, and those things are just going to happen in, in development. But, um, you know, made, made a great game. People loved it. Um, everyone that was on that team was absolutely proud of it, but that it's that one that one's always a little different and a little interesting because it's uh IPs are always hard to work with because then you're kind of <laughs> you kind of have to make sure that you're adhering to a lot of things that are that are uh that are required for that IP mm-hmm. so those developments are always a little bit different from just making your own IP because then sometimes you can just cut something and be like 
that's just not going to be in the game, right? Like, if you make a game for Star Trek, we're like, well, now I have to make sure I have to have Borg in it and Klingons, all these different kind of things. And so um, it's always a little bit different. But no, that one was that one, a lot of late nights, but uh, great game. Absolutely great game and great team. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of late nights, uh, what, I mean, what type of thinking and approach that you uh, would utilize when you have to approach certain departments that would have to stay later uh, and the departments that wouldn't have to stay later? Like uh, the messaging was like, all right, mm-hmm. you know, you get you get this this kind of handed down saying like, hey, everybody needs to stay even if they don't have to for team around this yep. stuff. It sucks. Yep. And people know it sucks, but you gotta have to spin that somehow. So usually, I mean, what what have been the best ways to kind of come up to someone with that stuff? I just tell them it sucks. Like I just, <laughs> I mean, I do, and I'm just like, hey, look, um, you know, we need to get this out. Um, this is the team. This is our project. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if you have to be there because you have to finish something, like I'm sorry that you have to be there. Um, if if you're there and you don't, I'm like, great you get to spend a little bit of extra time making sure that your stuff looks better. Um, I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be here to get you some pizza. I've bought some like, um, I bought some like uh, Jamba juice for the whole team. Sometimes Um, I've, I've picked up like late night Del Taco for my teams. Like, I'm just like, Hey, I'm just here for whatever you guys need. I'm going to be, um, sitting here with you or working on what, how can I help? Maybe just changing some numbers in some textures, um, like whatever you guys need for me to do to help while I'm here. Like I'm here with you, but yes, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I, I want to give you a hug for saying that. Cause like I've, I've seen the opposite, which was like, Hey, so we're all going to be here on Saturday. And so you're like, shit. So then you show up on Saturday and we, I mean, the producers and other developers, yeah. but we like all the producers are like, yeah, you know, it's that time we all got to dig in. We all got to. And then Saturday rolls around and we is actually just the one producer who's handing out the Jamba Juice cards. Right? Yeah. All the other producers <laughs> are long gone. <laughs> now I, I, yeah. um, I, my teams are my teams, and I'm a part of that team. And so, mm-hmm. if my team has to be there, then I have to be there, and that's how I've always felt. I, you know, I would, I'd work under you, Alvin. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I, I don't see any holes in your production game. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying, but I don't, I don't see any. Appreciate yeah. it. I would definitely tell you, Alvin, like, hey, I'll drop by for a sec. <laughs> so technically, I'll be here Saturday, but, man, I'm going on. <laughs> yeah, Brandon will be like, yeah, what time are you handing out those Jamba Juice cards? I'll yeah. be in. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, when is Jamba Juice? I'll stop by for a Jamba Juice. Uh, yeah, drink his juice with everybody. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, those are the type of things that, you know, communication is huge. Yeah. Like, you being able to tell someone like, "Hey, it, it does suck. This is this is what needs to be done. You know, this is what's been told. So this is what we yep. got to do." Yeah. Uh, it's a lot better than trying to say like, "Hey, you know, uh, just build bullshit." Yeah. Basically, um, just you know, it is what yeah. it is. So just we got to face yep. it. Um, so that's one of those things. I mean, like seeing seeing danger ahead of time yeah. too, mm-hmm. right? Critical. Uh, critical. Yes. Right, I mean, on the developer side, we're always seeing like, all right, these producers are sitting in a room like plotting. (laughs) (laughs) 
But in actuality, you guys are probably in a room, like, stressing out. Like, we're not hitting these milestones. We're talking to everyone, and there are some departments that are behind, and you guys are seeing this weeks ahead, so, like, you guys are planning. I mean, what what is that side looking like uh, ahead? It uh, doesn't have to be any specific to any game. Or yeah. In general, you know, there's a there's a, a, a looming gloom of crunch time happening. Uh, what kind of conversations are uh being discussed in that type of situation uh i mean i mean you nailed it it's i it's 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 always so stressful um it's it's the conversations are mostly like you know okay how did how did we get here right how did we get to a point where mm-hmm. we're where where now we have to crunch right um if if it if it's from an outside influence that's one thing um but if it's if it's because we didn't plan for this, or we made a mistake on some on some aspect on our part as producers. And that's another thing. And then how can we solve that in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, those those times are never fun. Uh, those times are never ever fun. But it's, I, I mean, I we I, you just kind of do the best that you can. You kind of just your the, the conversation is basically like <laughs> it's it's. Um, Okay, who who fucked up? Fuck, right? Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, who fucked up? Um, who, who, whose fault is this, right? Uh, but I, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's always how I think. It's like whose fault is it, and how, how can we solve it? Um, yeah. As long as we're not getting too stressed, and we figure it out early, or we solve those problems early, um, we you know we can reduce those those kind of bad conversations, you know, closed door conversations about that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But we should be always trying to solve those problems early. So, um, if we can if we can find a way to speed things up, like get some sort of system in place earlier, or if we need to, I don't know, um, get get an extra animator, you know, hired pretty soon because we know we're going to run to the point where we've made too many characters and we're not going to have enough animation time, like. Let's just try to solve those problems early. But we just need to be always checking our schedules, always seeing kind of where the end goal is, and, and trying to solve that problem as early as possible. I mean, it, it always happens because someone's going to want mm-hmm. something that wasn't um, wasn't expected. Um, but you just kind of do your best to but solve it. But those conversations are just never fun. They're just they're just like fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> well, Alvin, I've got a conversation for you that is fun and it's yeah. also unexpected. So. How would you like to play a game that I've designed for guests on this podcast? Okay, uh, sure. I am. I, I am nervous and excited. How's that? <laughs> Everyone says yes, and they never ask, "What am I supposed to do?" <laughs> like it's so awesome. That is a really I need to good sneak point. in some. Yeah. <laughs> they just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this game is called The Fast Five, and okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions, and I'm going to need five rapid fire answers. Okay. Are you ready to play? I will see. Yes. All right. Let's see how you do. Alan Nelson. Question number one. Yes. Uh, no, that wasn't. Question number <laughs> one. The first game that ever made you throw your controller. What was the first game that ever made you throw your controller? Oh, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> number two. If you had to play one game for twenty-four hours straight, no breaks, what game would it be? Final Fantasy Seven. That's a good one. And I, I bet you you've probably already done that. So <laughs> I've already done it. <laughs> uh, question number three. One thing you wish developers did better to help producers? 
Uh, communicate to us problems. Okay. Question number four. The best thing you get to do in the game industry right now? Uh, see people, hear people talking about my games that I've made. Oh. That is so my you sound like a designer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question number five. What's the biggest game that you're excited about playing, but know you won't have the time to finish it? Oh, uh, oof. Um, um, oh man, why is this the hardest one? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the new, um, like the new Battlefront 2 I'm really excited about, but I'm never going to have enough time to play it. Like, I have too, mm. far too many games to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, what's sad is like, when you get to the point in your career where it's like, every game that comes out from now on is a 40-minute game for me. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like... <laughs> I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now. Yeah. I just finished Last of Us, so it's mm -hmm. just like, Mm -hmm. I'm just never going to catch up. Damn, you never. just finished Last of Us. Yeah, exactly. The so original or the remastered? The remastered, because I was okay. like, well, I might as well get that now, because it's yeah. remastered already. So. <laughs> well, yeah. hey, did you know there's also the Left Behind DLC on that one? I know. I want to play it. <laughs> the game is so fun. I just got to move on. I got to keep playing more games. No worries, no worries. Alvin, I think you have record time, man. There was little to no... Uh, chit chat. So you're probably top three who played this game. I must say, <laughs> typical producer. <laughs> I can't point. help but be efficient. Guys. Straight to the point. No dilly dally. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it might be a good time to actually uh, uh, to continue this little game. Like uh, share stories about. Sure. Um, well, let me. You know, produ production stuff. Hold on to that thought. I actually want to make one rule change to the Fast Five live on the air okay. right now. Uh, Alvin, I want you to give me one question to ask next week's guest. Oh, um, boxer. Oh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> None. Yeah. Um, is that to be about game development? It's best if it's not anything game really. playing or game development because okay. we don't know necessarily okay. uh, what job or role they Fair have. Color. Got you. Um, let's see. <laughs> what 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 department do you hate the most? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just want someone to have to say it because that would be hilarious. To me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or we maybe... can all just say designers. <laughs> <laughs> can we always say designers? Um, yeah, all, because they delay all games. <laughs> I don't know what Brad is talking about. He must be working with some shit designers over there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Alvin, thank you very much for that question. I will be asking it yeah. to next week's guest. Perfect. Okay. Right, so back to you, Brandon. It's all yours, buddy. Yeah, I mean, like being a producer, there's probably like a lot of situations where uh, someone fucked up, right? That slowed down production time. Like here, here's an example: yeah. we I've been in situations where someone uh, checked out everything on Perforce, yes. like everything, mm -hmm. and spent the whole day like giving back files to mm -hmm. people. Uh, uh, just like uh, the other day, I was listening to uh, like a, a lighting artist, right? He was in charge of the lighting department. And how every level had a prefab, a lighting prefab, and a modeler checked in and, and fucked up that prefab, mm -hmm. which pretty much messed up all levels. And uh, well, he made it even worse by denying like he did anything oh, wrong man. and trying to push blame to something mm -hmm. else to the guy who designed the system. <laughs> so you can imagine. And it was funny the way he, he told me like how he responded yeah. to it, right? He, he was like, dude, I was... 
clenching my fists, talking to him, <laughs> saying that, let's fix this problem first, and I'm talking to you after this. <laughs> like, that was like a professional holding back his tongue, yeah. saying, you fucked up money. Like, he was like, I was shaking, dude, like mad at this guy. So, <laughs> so you, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of those type of stories, but what was like the standout that felt like a, a showstopper for a little... Of course, you guys fixed it, but... Um, the biggest problem, the biggest, like, mess up that I think I can remember on a game, just kind of really delayed, um, was, let's see, which one was the worst? Um, I mean, that's absolutely, (laughs) that has absolutely happened where someone has checked out everything in Perforce. Um, that was, that was, right before vacation. (laughs) Yes. Right before vacation. (laughs) Oh, we did have, yeah, that actually is a really good point. We did have a programmer break the whole build right before vacation. Um, oh, man, what a And dick. they didn't, they checked it in and they went on vacation. They had no idea that they, they were... broke it. Um, it took, it took the team, I think, by the time the programmer got back to fix it. Oh, like it was a, because wow. they put in code, I don't, they put in code and what happened? So, I can't remember exactly. Like somehow it messed up like two or three other systems. And they couldn't figure out how or why, and they just had to. Mm-hmm. We started by reverting just their changes, but we just some other stuff was still kind of messed up because of whatever they did. Like it just ended up being this huge like clusterfuck for I think about a week. Oh man! Mm-hmm. Uh, at least at least three or four days, and just you know completely shut down development or having to make it like a, a branch where people are kind of moving forward while we try to figure out how to remerge all these other things. It was just like, that was probably the worst. And the programmer felt really, really bad about it. I mean, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably the worst. Yeah, I felt bad, hungry, because he has no job after. <laughs> <laughs> he used to get a program for us to get rid of. There's, there's a, here's your welcome back box. <laughs> if you notice, <laughs> it's just big enough to put everything that you own in this office in it. <laughs> so, Alvin, nice box? I've got a question for you, and it's kind of addressing... Yes. I don't want you to admit the game or the company in the event that it might be sensitive sure. material. But let's talk about bugs that get swept under the rug. Were there any bugs, whether you were in QA or production, where you were like, yeah. we got to put the game out because we can't fix this in time? We'll do a day one patch or we'll do something down the line, but we actually have to cross our fingers and hope that it doesn't fail TRC. Is Was there ever a bug or a problem with a game that you knew that shipped and there was just nothing you could do at the time? And if you're going to alienate somebody or if you're going to throw someone under the bus explicitly i would rather you not <laughs> but if there's an interesting story here i would love to hear it um so i can give you two and it's not really but, throwing uh, it's not even throwing anyone under the bus it's just that bug shipped where uh, where we should have fixed them um and that, which is fine uh so when i was in qa oh actually they both were in qa but when i was at my first job at crave and i don't care about this one um (laughs) there was a bug (laughs) there was a bug at the very end of the game where a decent amount of time this is i was working on um world championship poker 2 psv or the wii it was a ps2 version okay awesome Um, yeah at the very end of the game 
you'd be at the final table and then the game would crash. Like mm-hmm. it would happen a decent amount of time. And uh, this bug, like QA could find it a pretty decent amount of time and developer could not figure out how to fix it. And we're like, well, it happens us all the time. And uh, they were like, well, we can't, we can't find it. And so we went to the developer, tried to get it fixed. They still couldn't figure it out. They, they, they saw it, they still couldn't fix it. And then the game shipped with that bug. <laughs> Mm. And the game, it still has this bug in it to this day, which is just insane to me. But that game is 20, you know, 14 years old, whatever. Yeah. Um, another one, which was always really sad. There I, there was a, there was a because, uh, this is on Neverwinter Nights 2. There was a bug, and this is no one's fault. It was just, it was a hard one to pin down um, because there was so many ways you can go through that game. There was a specific path you could take where when I think you got to the end of Act to middle or end of act two kind of getting into uh, act three mm-hmm. where um if you did a specific thing in a cave somewhere randomly um you'd go back to your main stronghold and nothing was working and then that was the end and, there was, and that was your game was <coughs> um and and we found it was like we we could find it and we're like ah it's like one every 10 times like you really can't do it every time. It just takes all these different things, and so we're like, you know, this is a this is a big bug, but it's hard to it's hard to track down. So, you know, I'm just gonna, I, we'll just try to see. And I think it ended up being like, you know, a larger chunk than us found it um, live, and we were just like, and we ended up fixing that bug uh, later. But it was just like you 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 think like, well, it's gonna, it's not gonna happen to that many people because we tried it so many times, but. Somehow, a lot of the um, the uh, the players ended up going in that specific path and getting that bug. I mean, yeah. I mean mm. that kind of that kind of stuff happens, though. Um, you you can't you can't fix everything. Um, and yeah, sometimes when, you have to be like, it's okay to you know get this kind of bug out. When one out of two hundred developers finds the bug, it seems like yeah. a small bug. But when the sample yep. size is two hundred thousand or two million, exactly. It's, the skew is like, oh my god! It's so many yeah. people found this bug. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's gonna happen, and as long as the team was aware, because it was exactly what you had said, Larry. Where it was like, we gotta ship the game, but we can put it in the day one patch, and that's kind of what we did once we saw a lot of the reproducible cases of it. And like, okay, mm-hmm. we we know how to do it. We can we can fix this. So. All right, Alvin. I've got one question for you, uh, and I don't want you again. I always say like, don't get yourself in trouble. <laughs> but you, you are on the Microsoft Excel side of game development now. Yeah. And so I do want to hear your opinion or your take on how do you feel about corporate culture kind of coming in and ruining, like, I don't want to say ruin. That's kind of loading the question. How do you feel about the corporate culture involvement in running the business of game development, right? Like 20 years ago, the entire yeah. game company is like a couple of dudes. They all wear flip-flops, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. yada yada right but now it's like oh no big business corporate decision makers are telling game developers how to make the games yeah. do you have any sort of opinion on kind of how we have matured grown or kind of evolved into what big business and corporation style business development has brought into the game industry uh yeah and that is a, a great question and not one that is going to be loaded and and make me lose my job so we're fine um <laughs> It is it, it. We've I think we've done the you know it's kind of a, been a pendulum right where we've had people 
who were just in flip-flops and, you know, and just, oh, I like to make some games, so I'm going to make some. And then they just ended up getting really big. Um, and then we've had, well, these, but these aren't, these businesses are failing, so let's get some businessmen in here to solve these problems. And then those problems failed because people were just going down to, you know, numbers and not just like, hey, is this game good and do people like this? Mm -hmm. Right? So I think we're kind of getting back the pendulum's kind of swinging back into a good place where I think it's important to have business people that understand uh, numbers and kind of how a business is going to work and all those type of um, professional things. But I think they need a counterpart there that is equally, that has equal amount of um, say and sway at the mm -hmm. company to say like, yes, like, um, but sometimes, you know, we just want to make something that's good. Yeah. Uh, I think actually Sony, um, Sony did a really good job of this um, with how they um, did the Sony PlayStation Three, and they also had a lot of indie games that they were um, that they were making. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, they wanted to be the number one console. Um, mm -hmm. Xbox was the biggest console at the time, and they were selling the most. So what Sony did was, okay, that's fine. What we're going to do is just have a whole bunch of exclusive indie titles. And the thing that we're going to do instead is that we're going to get people to want to buy our console because they want to play that game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you had you had Flower and you had um, the game that I worked in Journey and all exactly, you know, and you had these games that people were like, these games are amazing. These games are people that people are talking about. I need a PlayStation to be able to play these. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at how that look at how it shifted. And so I think there needs to be that equal amount. Um, I think as a developer, especially as a smaller developer, sometimes you, depending on where you want to go, if you want to just make money, then go with some, sometimes go with a publisher that just wants to make money. If sometimes you just want to make a really good game, then either try to kickstart it like a lot of people have, which is great, or find a publisher that kind of works and wants to, wants, wants to work in that way as well. They, they just want to make something that's good and interesting. Um, I think it's important for developers to understand kind of where they want where they want to be. Um, sorry, small developing teams, development teams, um, understand how where they want to be. I mean, how they want their game or their IP to grow. Um, but I think it's I think you need both. I think you definitely need the professional businessmen there that really know that, and you need the super creative people that are there to can that can actually make good games. <laughs> Amen, man. I, yeah, I think a hybridization kind of yeah. approach is going to be best overall. I would yeah. love to work with someone who knows about building and running businesses. Yeah. At the same time, I need them to actually give a shit about the customer experience in a way that a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet will not be able to quantify. Exactly. Right. Like mm -hmm. someone needs to tell you the paywall is too soon. Someone needs mm -hmm. to tell you players don't want to pay 99 cents for this and they used to get it for free before. That's not a bad, yep. that's not a good decision. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, Brandon, do you have any more questions before I give Mr. Alvin Nelson his reward for being on the podcast for an hour? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, let's end it, end it in a good note. So Alvin, all these years, yeah. uh, you know, producing alongside other producers um, where where do you see game development going? Like, uh, you know, we're you know, the, 
a lot of studios are shutting down, right? Mm-hmm. We <laughs> Telltale's yesterday just announced 90 people being laid yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Just two weeks ago, Visceral Games yep. laid off 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been in the industry pretty long now. Yeah. Like, what, what, what is your own personal opinion about everything? I think um, I think we definitely need a lot. I think we definitely need a change in the game industry. I think um, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, like pure sixty dollar games, nor am I a huge fan of sometimes just pay to win games either. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I I kind of miss the days, and you guys you guys are um, right around my age. I miss the days where we kind of had. Thirty-five, forty-dollar games. Amen. Um, where it was, it was a what double A, I guess, budget game or yeah, yeah. single A sometimes, where you know you just wanted to play a game and have a good time, and it didn't need to be this extravagant thing. Um, yeah. I think again, it's one of those things where the game industry is kind of doing this pendulum now, where it's like, oh, sixty dollars, okay, no, okay, free to play, okay, no, like there's there's still going to be that in between, and so it is really sad that we're having a lot of studios shut down. Um, but I'm also really hopeful and I'm really excited about the people that have worked at those places because there's so many smart and amazing um, and talented uh, game developers. And so, like, popping up a whole bunch of mom-and-pop studios and making such interesting things. I mean, Cuphead, um, Mm. Super Meat Boy, like, all these games that are, like, smaller indie games. Like, I love these things like IndieCade and that kind of stuff. Like, all these smaller games. Um, But we need an avenue for them to be to grow and to succeed. Um, I think Steam does a decent a, a decent job at that. I think um, um, good old games, GOG does a pretty good job at that, but we need a better standard sometimes in like stores and retail to kind of uh, help, help move that stuff along. Um, I really would love to see Walmart, a Target, and all those guys kind of put more $30, $40 games on their, on their um, shelves and kind of really um, showcase them uh, a little bit more. Um, it, it's because the PlayStation Network doesn't do a good job of kind of showing every single game because there's so many of them. So we just need yeah. some better ways to kind of showcase, hey, these are amazing games that are out there that you can find and play and you should check them out. Um, it's, I'm, I'm, that is kind of where I want, I would love to see it going, but I'm, I'm so hopeful for the amount of games that have been coming out, the amount of indie games and even starting to be like i would say like a double a game um coming out like the i'm like again i'm just gonna bring up cuphead again because it's just so great but uh it's such a fun game um and it's just such a hard game and it's like it's like games of the past but it's also not destiny 2 which is an amazing game but also hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of people working on it right so Mm Um, getting to that in between for me um, and for the industry would be would be probably for the best. Well, Mr. Alvin Nelson, I have to say it's a great pleasure to see you again and talk to you again. Yeah, and uh, I hope when you come back California, we can get a beer or something, dude. Um, but as your reward for podcasting with us for a full hour and some change <laughs> it now looks like, and we appreciate it. Brandon and I are going to be quiet and let you talk directly to our podcast audience to tell them about something you're working on, maybe promote something you're excited about, or raise awareness for something that you care about. So without further ado, Mr. Nelson, the floor is yours. Uh, Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's actually, it's absolutely been an honor. Um, So many of my friends listen to this podcast, so I'm just excited to to be a part of it. 
Um, a couple of things. Um, I really um, want people to kind of know and understand that game development is hard, um, and there's it's you have to really love it sometimes because you're not always going to make the most money, and you're not always going to be at the place at the start that you want to be, but you're going to get there. And, you know, um, Larry's a testament to that. And so many people that we know are a testament to that. So, you know, work hard uh, in the industry. And, you know, if it's something that you love, uh, do it. Um, the other thing is just, uh, I think, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this because I don't, but everyone should try to learn every department and understand all the different departments and how they all work. I could be better at engineering, absolutely. Um, but understanding how all the other departments work, that means you can empathize with them and understand the kind of problems that they have. I think that that's such an important thing for all of us uh, as game developers to uh, know and understand. Um, the other things that I've been working on myself, um, I'm currently starting a nonprofit. I, I think we've talked about this before, Larry. But I'm um, starting a nonprofit where you can donate um, all of your um, games and uh, consoles um, to the nonprofit, and we're going to give some of those to hospitals and um, any additional um, money that we're going to give. I'm going to start another part of the nonprofit that's going to work with inner city kids to kind of help them learn a little bit more about the game industry. Um, I've really felt like, ah, see, here we go. Um, as an African American, and Larry can attest to this, there's just not and a lot of minorities, not a lot of us in the game industry. Mm -hmm. And so bringing a lot of that awareness to uh, inner cities, I think, is just immensely important. So um, those are a couple of things that I'm going to be working on. Um, at some point, I'll give uh, Larry and these guys more information on that so um, you guys can um, take a look and hopefully donate. Um, but honestly, like, keep playing games. I, I, they're so creative. They're so great. Um, also go outside because outside is great and you should be really healthy. Um, but I really appreciate um, the industry and being a part of something that is just so interesting and so creative and uh, and so special. And that is all I've got. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Alvin, since you have taken the time to spotlight and highlight something actually very critical to the growth of our industry, but also for the betterment of lives of people who are just not as fortunate as others, uh, we usually yeah. get behind causes like that that just kind of touch us. And again, I think it is a clear opportunity for Game Dev Unchained to step up and be what we say we want in the industry. So you have got contributions from Game Dev Unchained for your nonprofit. And I personally would love to know about how I can help in any way bring your nonprofit to life. I don't care what stage it's at. Like, we need to see this happen. So okay. you've got our support, man. Uh, I'm right. speaking for myself and Brandon because I know that Brandon, <laughs> uh, whatever, yeah, I care too. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever we can do to help you, bro. Uh, honestly, I really want to see that come to life. That's a great cause. No, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And it's something that I've been passionate about for the last like year or so, and so I've been working on getting all that stuff together. And so, yeah, I'll absolutely keep you posted on uh, on where that stuff goes. Well. Alvin Nelson, that's a thing that I like. But Larry Charles, <laughs> I'm saying goodnight. It's Brandon Fan. I'll see you guys next week. See you later. 
you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.